Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Uh, Again, welcome. My name is Pastor Josh. Uh, Technically, my name is Josh, and my title is Pastor. Um, My name is not Pastor. You know that, right? Uh, It was real weird. Uh, This morning, uh, my middle son, Cole, was asking me and his mama, are you Pastor Mama and Pastor Dada? No. No, we don't. No, no, no. Just mom and dad and that's good or mama and dada whatever you want to call us uh just not don't call me pastor dada that's weird um welcome we're excited that you're here man this is this is an interesting sunday to show up okay i'm just gonna like let that like uh, today we're talking about uh sacred cows last couple of weeks we've been talking about doubt and depression and last week we had a real encouraging uh sermon on sexuality and it wasn't awkward at all for anybody nobody blushed whatsoever although i did notice a couple people fell asleep so today i'm going to like hit the the snare real loud on the drum if i see you dozing off not really i'm not going to do that um but we've got another sacred cow that we've got uh that we're going to tackle today and it's even more awkward than last week especially for me, so in order to kind of get there, let's start with a joke, uh, a cow joke. We've started every week with a cow joke, and this one is appropriate uh, for what we're talking about. Why don't cows have any money? Anybody know why cows do not have any money whatsoever? Because farmers milk them dry. <laughs> right? All right, let's talk about money. Uh, that's how we started last week. Let's talk about sex. So this week, let's talk about money. Um, I heard a quote by a, a preacher named Jensen Franklin. Maybe you've seen him on TV. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you like him. Maybe you don't. But I thought the quote was funny. It said this. It said, the two subjects that freak most Christians out, uh, freak most Christians out are money and sex, and we want more of both. And so today, last week, we talked about the sex. Today, we're going to talk about the money. And next week, we're just going to go for the trifecta of awkward and talk about politics. And so we've got three weeks where it's going to be incredibly weird uh, to be in church because it's like sex, money, and politics. That's like a rock and roll album or something. Um, Have you ever heard this? Have you ever heard anybody say this? The church just wants your money. Anybody? Like, raise your hand if you've heard somebody say that. Yeah, we've all heard somebody say the church just wants your money. Well, it's interesting because I've been thinking about that this week, and here's what I think is odd. You know, we'll say that, and typically what that means, if we hear somebody saying it, it's a slam. It's a negative criticism about the church. And what I thought about this week is that what's really odd is not that the church is an organization that really is all about profit and making money, because it's not. Some of them are. Ours is not. But nobody ever, nobody ever like goes into Target and criticizes, they just want your money here. <laughs> nobody looks at a Walmart ad and gets ticked off and says, says Walmart, they just want your money. <laughs> Why? Because those organizations really do just want your money. Like that's, nobody complains about that. And I've thought about that this week. Why, is, why, God, why don't we complain about that? And the Lord said, because we don't complain about the things we worship. Oh, it's getting real this morning. Like we, I just skipped all of the introduction, all of the niceties and where, you know, I flirt with you and you laugh at my jokes and we all get laughing and then, no, no, no. We don't complain about the things we worship and we don't care what they ask of us because they are our gods 
and they are idols and we'll lay down our very life for them. Now, we don't talk about money that much at Vertical Church. In fact, I went back and looked at the, the previous sermons for this year. This is only the second time, sort of. It's really the first time this year that I've ever talked about it. Second time, kind of. We had a series in April, May called I'm Not Blank Enough. And there was a sermon there that I did called I'm Not Rich Enough. And it wasn't really about money. It was about contentment. Be content with what the Lord has given you. Don't uh, be, be gracious and have an attitude of gratitude. That's what the message was about. But if you count that one, this is only the second time in the entire year, except when we take up the offering, because that would just be odd if we didn't let people know, here's what we're doing, because then people are like, why are we passing these baskets around? <laughs> so we talk about it you know, every week in that regard, but, but as far as actually making the day about it, we don't do that that often. Reality, though, is Jesus talked about it about 25% of the time. In other words, if we followed the pattern of Jesus Christ, which is what we're trying to do, you know, it's, it's our, that's our savior, our model, our we're trying to be like, we would every first Sunday of the month, just to put it on a schedule, we would have a sermon on money. If we followed Jesus and his pattern for how he talked about it, because he talks about it about 25% of the time, and there are over 800 passages in the Old Testament and New Testament that deal with something about finances, whether it's our worth or whether it's how we spend our money or save our money or invest it. About 800, a little over 800. And so um, to be completely honest, we don't talk about it a lot because it's really awkward. (laughs) Like I don't enjoy talking and preaching a sermon on money. Like, that's not something that I really like doing. I would prefer to preach about grace and prefer to preach about uh, salvation and prefer to preach about how God can heal you. And, and that's really cool because what happens when we load this online, like it won't get a lot of likes <laughs> on Facebook. You know, last few sermons, people have been really sharing those. Not really going to get a lot of shares when we post this one, you know, because it's nobody's really uncomfortable with it. We don't really like that. I do know this. I do know this. When I post it online on the Vertical Church page, we will get two likes. My mom and my Aunt Mary. Shout out to y'all watching online. Love you guys. So encouraging. They will like it because they like everything. Um, but, But I've thought about this. You know, people hate it when you talk about their idols. And I don't think there's a bigger idol in America today than money. I, that, is, that is our American culture. And, and the weird thing is, is we're very reticent to actually receive any kind of instruction on our money and how we deal with it. Although most of us are terrible managers of what we have. And yet it's, it's this weird paradox. Man, I hope you can appreciate this because, because in our culture, we love to boast about what we buy. We love to show it off. We'll take pictures of it and post it on Instagram so everybody can see what we did and what we've purchased. And yet, when somebody tells us that we have any kind of obligation to be good stewards, good managers of our money, then we freak out and we get angry and we get mad. And so today, I hope you don't get mad at me. If you do, I'm sorry. Come back next week and you'll probably get even madder. But come back the week after that and we'll be all good. We'll be all good because this, this week and next week, I'm, I'm telling you, we're really going to get into some territory where we're actually 
confronting people's idols. And so here's the plan today, okay? And it's, gonna, it's not as like, you know, discouraging as it sounds. If it sounds discouraging, I don't know if it sounds discouraging. Um, here's my plan. Here's my plan. I want to share with you the three words from Scripture that I think really should define what we think about when we think about money in the church. Three words, and they all come from, from a few passages in First and Second Corinthians. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a second. And then, then after that, I just want to share uh, personally a couple of you know, benefits that I've seen in my life as I've made uh, managing my money according to God, and particularly uh, making financial giving to my church a priority in my life. Nobody wants to talk about money in the church, and yet we have all kinds of issues when it comes to people's own personal finances in the church. And so First and Second Corinthians looks at a particular situation uh, that had come up in Paul's day. Uh, there, there are passages in both of those letters that deal with uh, a very difficult economic situation that had arisen in the church in Jerusalem. Uh, basically what had happened, Jerusalem had gone through a long extended famine and so there was an, a downturn in the economy. Now, because of the famine and because of you know other other things happening, a lot of a lot of Jewish and, and even Christian at the time leaders had moved back to Jerusalem. A lot of widows, and so the church has more people to take care of. But because of the famine, the economy has taken a dive, and so they don't have the resources necessary to do the ministry that's around them. And so what Paul does is Paul goes around to the Gentile church and he encourages them to save up and take a collection for the Jerusalem church. Those of us who study scripture, you know, a lot, we call this the Jerusalem collection. And you find it in first and second Corinthians, particularly um, Paul writes about it directly to the Corinthian church. And we're going to read some of those passages today. Now, Paul had already taken up a collection from the church in Antioch and delivered it to the Jerusalem church. And the leaders there were encouraged and they hoped that other churches would respond the same way as the church at Antioch. In fact, Jerusalem, the the church in Jerusalem was the uh, at, at the time the epicenter of the church movement. And leaders had left Jerusalem to go plant other churches, and the church in Jerusalem had resourced them to be able to do what God was calling them to do. And the leaders in Jerusalem were hoping that now the, what, what, they had, what they had sown into would be turned around and they would be the recipient of support because they had given so much support out as, as the church was expanding. And so before we dive into the three words we have, to, we, have to, we have to begin in the same place. We have to begin here because this is the most important idea about uh, when it comes to the idea of, of, of Christians and, and money and church and giving and generosity. This is the single most important idea. If we don't start here, we go completely off course. And here's the, the, the most important idea. Jesus is the most generous giver ever. That is the most important idea that we get today. Jesus is the most generous giver ever. And this is where it comes from. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Look at what Paul says. He says, for you know the grace. The interesting thing is in in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the entire 
chapter is all about this Jerusalem collection. So it's all about money and finances. And in this chapter, the word grace appears more than any other chapter in the Bible. Isn't that really cool? Interesting side note. Anyway, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was, what, what does Paul say? Though he was rich, he became, or for your sake, he became poor. So Jesus is rich, and for us, he becomes poor, so that through his poverty, we might become what? Rich. Okay, so here's the picture that Paul paints. He says, so before Jesus came to earth, he was what? Rich. Rich. What did it look like? Okay, uh, picture heaven. Jesus has a throne. Do you have a throne? I don't have a throne. Like, I don't have one of those in my house. Maybe you have one of those in your house, and we need to have a conversation because thrones are not cool. And it's not like a fashion statement. Hey, I've got a throne in my living room. It's kind of weird. You know, we probably don't invite us over because we're going to look at you strange. Well, you got a throne. That's weird. But Jesus' throne, he sat on a throne. You, our entourage, my entourage, if I go out in the community, usually like three screaming kids and a wife. Jesus' entourage, angels. <laughs> That's pretty cool. When, when Jesus takes a, a, a walk uh, on, on the streets, he's walking on gold. When I take a walk down the street, I'm walking on concrete and asphalt. Different, uh, different, uh, different uh, income bracket, right? You know what I'm saying? Like Paul says he was rich, and for us he became what? Poor. poor. Like really poor. Like, you know, there, there's a difference between like poor and, and really poor. Jesus was really poor, like junior high mom, small town, small house, no running water poor. Jesus was really poor, like like blue collar dad who packs his lunch in a lunchbox and gets paid by the hour and wears a tool belt poor. You know what I'm saying? Jesus is poor. He trades, look at this, he trades his luxury for poverty. He trades his glory for humility. And Paul wants us to know why. And he tells us, he says, why would Jesus trade luxury for poverty, glory for humility? For us. For you and me. Jesus made an exchange. He came down. He joined us. He identified with us. Scripture even tells us he paid taxes like us. He had got it out of a fish's mouth. How poor are you when the IRS comes and you go to the lake to get a fish to get money out of its mouth? That's rough. You know what I'm saying? So, so Jesus, he, he worked a job. He was a carpenter just like his dad. He, he did it all for us. For us. For you and me. He lived a life without sin, suffers and dies on a cross in our place for us our sin. Effectively, Paul says he trades places with us. What we should endure, he endures, and what he had before, we are now brought into. So what does this mean? It means Jesus is the most generous giver ever. That Jesus is the ultimate giver. Jesus gives we receive. And so here's what I want you to know today. Today, this is not primarily a sermon about money. This is a sermon about Jesus. 
Because any conversation that we have in the church that revolves around finances and money must begin here. Jesus is the most generous giver ever in the history of the world. And when we understand this, then we understand and we realize that we do not give in order to get anything from him. We do not give in order to earn his love. We do not give because we were made to feel guilty. We do not give because because of any reason other than our Savior is a giver. And we want to become like him. We don't give to give. We give because we've already received. And so if we have any conversation that doesn't begin there, we're off. We're totally off. Totally off base. So we begin with Jesus, the most generous giver of all time. Three words. Three words that I want you to know. The first word is this, regular. Regular. What does that mean? Here, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 2, Paul is talking about the collection in this first letter that he writes to, to Corinth, the church in Corinth. And he says this. He says, now about the collection for the Lord's people, the Jerusalem collection, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. Look what he says. He says, on the first day of the week, first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So you hear people talking, especially people who say they just talk about money way too much at that church. Then the next quite, the next kind of statement is, I just don't think the church should, should remind people every Sunday to give because I don't think people need a reminder to fulfill any kind of giving commitment. That's cool. If that's your attitude, I get it. I understand it. I know exactly what you're saying. The reality is Paul does not agree with you. He doesn't agree with you. Like not Pastor Josh doesn't agree with you. Paul doesn't agree with you. Because Paul said, he, listen, he said, he said basically this in, in you know, 2,000 years ago vernacular. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your phone. I want you to set a reminder on your calendar app to say, hey, it's the first day of the week. Set aside a sum of money. This is what he says. He says, I want you to get a, an, a real reminder, something that's going to remind you and say, hey, you, you need to set aside. You've got to be generous. Here's what I want you to do. The beginning of the month, beginning of the pay period, whatever that looks like for you, I want you to incorporate what you're going to give into your budget. This is not disposable income. This is not, well, whatever happens after I've paid all my bills and bought groceries and, you know, got that Wii game that my kids were wanting. And then whatever I have left, then I'll take a portion of it. No, no, no. Paul says, beginning of the week, set aside, meaning you've got your sum. Now take a chunk and move it over here and say, this is for that. We call that budgeting. If you don't budget, then you need to budget. Like, that's a really important thing. If you don't know how to budget, like, We've got people here in the church that are really brilliant at stuff like that. It's not me, but we have people. Let us know, like, hey, we need help setting up a family budget. That's cool. We can help you. We'll uh, we'll, we'll get somebody in there and, and help you kind of organize all that. But Paul says, here's what he says, your giving should be regular. It should be regular. First of the week, first day, set aside a sum. Because here's the reality. You know this as well as I do. I've lived this life. If we wait around to see what's left at the end of the week, there's never anything left. Never. I know this. Because we spend it all on ourselves. 
And, and we don't mean to, and I'm not saying you're like, I'm not, uh, I don't want to make you feel, you know, guilty or, or anything. I'm just saying we have the tendency, I have the tendency that if it's there and it's not already like, all right, this is for that, I'll spend it. I'll spend it on myself or I'll spend it on, on hope or I'll spend it on my kids. I'll, I'll spend it. If it doesn't have it like this is going for that, then I'll spend it. And even if the amount is a small amount, it doesn't matter. Paul says, establish the habit of regular giving. The first of the week, set it aside in keeping with your income and, and do it regularly. Why? So that we don't have to have, this is what Paul says, so we don't have to have these conversations when I get there. And, and, and make you feel like, you know, you got to scrounge up a bunch of stuff real quickly. He says, no, just set it aside every week so that when I get there, we don't have to talk. We don't have to have this conversation. And so I want you to know, I lived like that for a long time where, where I was just, well, whatever's left over at the end of the week. Listen, I want you to know this. One of the reasons I don't really like talking about it is because this is the, the most difficult area of my life. You know, I don't, like I said, I don't struggle a lot with depression. A couple weeks ago, I admitted that. Like, it's not something that I go through that often. Doubt, I have doubts, but most of the time, those doubts, I rebound. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm all over the place. I'm doubting God. I'm trusting God. I'm doubt. But when it comes to my personal finances, I live, I, I battle living in a constant state of fear. I do. That's my temptation. My struggle is trusting God in that area of my life. And I used to live in such a way that it was, that it was well, if I had it left over at the end when I've paid everything else, then I'll give something back to God. And here's what happened in my life. I got raises. I got promotions. I got new jobs. My income went up. But at the end of the week, I still never had anything left over. And then one day I said, all right, you know what? It's time to, to, to get serious about this. This is a struggle and a fear in my life. The only way to confront this is to, is to do what I hear God leading me to do. And so when I made it a regular part of my life, a regular part of our budget, turns out it was there all along. I was just spending it on things that I didn't need and things that weren't really that important. And then I discovered, oh, I just had to make different choices. Which comes to the second word. This is the second word. Sacrificial. Sacrificial. So the first word that we have to understand when it comes to giving to uh, God with our, our, our personal finances, the first word is regular. The second word is sacrificial. And here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 12 through 14. Which, by the way, we don't usually, those of you who've been here a long time, we don't usually jump around. Uh, we usually just like lock down in one passage and stay there the entire Sunday. Uh, but today we're, we're locking down on this event, the Jerusalem collection. And so we pick up a couple of different passages which are still talking about it. Because this happened over a several years. They, they collected and saved this money. Anyway, here we go. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. And look what he says. This is what I mean by sacrificial. According to what one has, not according to what one does not have. That's going to be really important. If, if, you're, if you're taking notes, you may want to underline that one on the back of your program. Verse 13, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there, there might be, and this is a really important word, equality. There might be equality. 
At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. Some people always ask, how much do I got to give? Like, what's my bill, pastor? Like, I know everything has a bill. Just tell me my bill. What do I owe? Which is not the issue at all. Because the issue, listen to me, the issue is never dollars. It's always devotion. The issue is not about dollars. It's about devotion. And a lot of churches teach a concept called tithing. When I grew up, that's what we were, we were taught. Tithing, which is a, a word that just means a tenth, 10%. And so we were taught growing up that you give the tithe to the church, 10% of everything that you come in. And it comes from the Old Testament. The Old Testament... Um, 10% of what you brought in went to the Levites to fund temple ministry. You funded the temple with 10%, but it didn't stop there. There was another 10% on top of that to, to, to pay for festivals and feasts and holidays. On top of that 20%, there was another 3.3 plus percent that went to the poor so you would reserve three to a third percent roughly to give to the poor. Then there were gleanings for the poor. And what that means is if you owned a cornfield, um, then, then when you went to harvest your corn, you wouldn't be so meticulous that you got every ear of corn. No, when you went through and passed through what you got, you got and what you left, you left. You see this in the book of Ruth. She goes and she's gleaning from the field. She's picking up what they had left there. God says that's something to do. Leave something in your field so that the poor and the homeless and the, and the foreigner can come through. Plus additional offerings from time to time as the need arose. In the Old Testament giving system, it was more like 25 to 27% of what you brought in. Now, contrast that with American uh, evangelicals today who, on average, give around 3 to 4%. And you have to take a step back and say, whoa. Because see, this is a real issue. A side note, not in my notes. This really annoys me when people argue about giving in the church because they want to talk about grace and law, and we're not under law, but we're under grace. Grace never motivated me less than law. I have never been motivated to do something for God more out of law than I was grace. Grace is always a stronger motivation for me than being told to do something. So I don't understand that argument, but that's a side note. That's a soapbox. We're not going there today. Um, here, I want you to know this. The New Testament doesn't talk about tithing that way. I want you to know this. It doesn't. It doesn't talk about tithing that way. Typically, when the New Testament talks about tithing, it's in a negative con context, a negative connotation. Typically about Pharisees who had dollars but didn't have devotion. And so Jesus is, is kind of going on attack, talking about the tithe. And that's where it talks about mostly in the New Testament. And so at Vertical Church, I want you to know, we don't put a strong emphasis on a certain percentage. We don't. Now, we'll use the word tithe because a lot of us grew up in traditions where that word was commonplace. And we'll use words like tithes and offerings and stuff. But when it comes down to what do we teach about giving, here's what we teach about giving. Number one, God gave first. Jesus is the most generous person of all time. Everything that we do is a response to what he has already done. God gave first. That's what we teach. Number two, here's what we teach. This is the word sacrificial. Generosity isn't about equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. That's what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's not about equal gifts. 
It's not about equal percentages. It's not about equal dollars. It's about equal sacrifice. And here's what sacrifice means, just real practically. If you can't feel it, it probably isn't sacrificial. If you don't have to make different decisions about how you spend your money because of what you're giving back to God, it's probably not sacrificial. And I don't say that to be mean. I say that from personal experience. So what does this look like? Well, for the single mom raising two kids by herself because dad split with the secretary, it might look like a half a percent. And that would be a huge sacrifice. It would be it would make her or or make him choose differently. And it might be huge. It might be a ginormous sacrifice for her. But for the, for the person who's affluent and doing really well, it might look like 25, 40%. There are people that, that, that give 90% back into their church and live off of 10. Now, I want you to know something. I'm not telling you to do that because the single mom can't do that. Nor should she be made to feel guilty that her gift is not somehow equal with that person's. What Paul says, he says, uh, he says, he says, look, according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So you measure your sacrifice by what you have been given, not by what you have not been given. And so we measure it according to what we have. And so what Paul is saying is we find ourselves somewhere on this continuum. What does sacrifice look like for you? What does it look like? And so here's what, what we do. We go in, we, we, we pray, and we say, Lord, I want to honor you with my finances. I believe that I should give regularly. I believe, first and foremost, Jesus is the most generous giver. And so I want to give regularly, and I want to give sacrificially. So, Lord, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what percentage, what amount you want me to give. And then obey. Obey. And I want to tell you something. If you're actually listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, just on a pastoral kind of level, it's going to freak you out. <laughs> you're going to hear it and you're going to think, holy cow, no pun intended. I cannot do that. <laughs> and you'll find an excuse because there's always an excuse to be found. Excuses are easy to come across because they're always available. Look, when you're in college and you're college broke, like there's broke and college broke and you're college broke, <laughs> then the excuse is, God, I'm college broke. <laughs> then you graduate college, get a job, start making some money, get, get, you know, get married. Now your excuse is, well, God, we just got married and we're trying to save up for our house. And, and, and you know, we're trying to like, we don't want to have hand-me-down furniture anymore. So, so, you know, God, I think you understand right now. Just to... Then you have kids and it's, well, God, we got to buy diapers and wipes and baby food. And, and now we got car seats and our insurance premiums higher. And, and so you make an excuse. Then the kids grow up. Well, God, we've got braces and college and cars and insurance has skyrocketed. You can always find an excuse for why what the Holy Spirit tells you to give, you can't give. And so I just want to, I don't say this in a boastful kind of way or any kind of bragging way. I say it to, to, to lead. In, in, in our family, between me and Hope, we see, because of the way we were raised and because of what we learned and grew up in in church, for us, 10% is the floor. That's where we begin. And we pray, Lord, you've blessed us. What, what would you have us give beyond that? If, are, are we able to give beyond that? And we've managed, by God's grace, steadily to increase our percentage year after year. 
Now, that, that sometimes, listen to me, sometimes you're thinking, well, you got raises, and now you No, 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 sometimes our income went down. <coughs> listen to me. Listen, it, it, living in Chesapeake, there have been times my income has gone down. Not up. But when I look at my life and we look at our bills and our earners, okay, look, we can, we can go without that. We're not using that. We've got waste here. We don't need that. We don't need this subscription. The kids, the kids do not need a Lego every time we go to Target to get groceries. They don't need it. And what happens is the kid, well, can I please, can I please, please? No. And what we say, what, what a lot of us will say is we can't afford it. The reality is we don't tell our kids we can't afford it. We tell them, look, we could afford that, but God has told us to give this much to our church, and so we're going to obey him, which means you can't get your Lego box every time we go to Target. You get plenty. You have a room full of Legos. We choose to honor God this way, which means that we don't get everything we want. So we teach our kids that. Not that we couldn't afford it. Look, we could afford it. Not really. Not in reality. Those things are expensive. You ever bought Legos? God. But we've managed to, to live within our means and then realize we've got waste. We're not using this. We can give this up. We don't need that. We don't need to go out every, you know, three times a week. We, don't, we can reserve and then sacrificial. We make different decisions with what we have because we want to honor God. I don't say that, you know, critically or, or boastfully. I just want to, I'll, you can't lead in the dark. And so I just want to let you know what we do as a family. Number three. All right, here we go. But I want you to understand, it's not about the percentage. It's, about, it's not about the percentage. It's not about the amount. It's about understanding who Jesus is. He's the most generous giver ever, and I just want to be like him. Number three, last one, cheerful. Cheerful. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 say this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And then look what Paul says in verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Again, what does that mean? Sacrificial. Sacrificial. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. It's not about guilt. It's not about, uh, it's not about condemnation. It's not about you have a bill that you've got to pay. It's not about that. It's not reluctantly. It's not under compulsion. It's not because a preacher told you to. It's not because I said, you're going to live under anything. No, 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 no. Not under that. Look what Paul says. For God loves a cheerful giver. You know what cheerful givers look like? You know what it's like on Christmas morning? Like when you've got, you know, you got presents under there, and we, I, don't, I can't see who all's in the room, so I'm just talking about family exchanging presents with families. Yes. Yes. And you've got a gift that you've wrapped. Do you know that feeling where it's like, no, 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 you open yours first. No, no, you open your... No, 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 I want you to open it first. I want you to go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. Why do we do that? Because we love watching people open up gifts that we give them. That's what it looks like to be a cheerful giver. No, 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 you go first. You open it first. Let me give to you first. I'm not interested in receiving. I've received so much. I'm so stinking blessed. It's crazy. You go first. And you watch them open it and they light up. And what happens inside? You light up. That's what it looks like to be a cheerful giver. God, you go first. You've given me so much already. I just want to be a cheerful giver. You go, you go first. It's not out of compulsion. It's not because I've been made to feel guilty. 
It's because I'm so stinking excited to join and participate with you in what you're doing. This is a celebration. It's really weird what Paul says. That we should celebrate when we give. Like, let's throw a party. Let's like tear the roof off of the place and we're giving away money and other people in the world, they would say, this makes no sense. (laughs) This is ludicrous. Do you know what you could do with that? Yeah, I could pay down my van a lot faster. I could. I could buy those new pair of jeans because I haven't bought a pair of jeans in over a year. (laughs) I could. But this is way better because this is a celebration. I'm a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver. So these three words. This is what it means in, in, in vertical church. This is what it means to give. Regular, sacrificial, cheerful. And here's what I've experienced in my life is I've made those three things in my heart lodged into to giving. I've discovered that it's a practical way to orient my life around Jesus. I've discovered that it forces me to recognize that everything I have is his. And so when I pray, I say, God, what do you want me to do with what's yours? You've shared everything with me. Now, what do you want me to do with your stuff? Because see, the other thing about orienting our lives around Jesus, giving is not just so that God gets his hands in our pockets gets the money out of our pockets, but it also gets the idols out of our hearts. And I've discovered in my life when when God is leading me to increase a percentage or when God is leading me to get regular and consistent, when I start doing that, I can't count the number of times the Holy Spirit has said, you see that idol in your heart? And sometimes it's greed and sometimes it's selfishness, but most of the time it's fear pride. It's not just about greed and selfishness and you give. So you, you know, a lot of times in my life, it's fear. It's an idol of, do you fear that you're not going to make it? Or do you trust me? Oh God, I didn't know I had an idol. I didn't know I had an idol of fear in my life. I didn't know I was, I was making decisions and serving fear and not serving you. Yes, God, thank you. I'm a cheerful giver, so thank you, God, for revealing that to me. The second thing I've seen, just real practically, is that, that when you give to see lives changed, it's amazing. Listen, I've said it before, that when you, when you invite somebody to church and they come and they lift their hands and they accept Jesus, like that's the best Sunday ever. That's awesome. But when you see, when you're giving consistently to your church and you see people giving God or giving church another chance and they connect and they plug in and now what was not, what was not true about their life is true about their life, that's amazing. When you, when you give and you see people who felt unworthy or rejected by other communities come in and find hope and you're like, whoa, I gave and that. That's awesome. When you talk to people who are forgiving former abusers because of the ministry of the church that you're a part of, when you see kids who are quiet and and shy and socially awkward open up like a flower and explode in relationship, when you see an invitation made to know Jesus and the person's hand in front of you goes up, and you know, I'm a part of that. 
overflowing. And here's what I know before we pray. I've made a lot of dumb financial decisions in my life. I've bought things that I didn't need. I've made purchases that I regret. I've spent money on stuff that I've sold in a yard sale a year later. And I bet you have too. But I have never once experienced regret. I've never woken up and thought, God, I really regret giving that money to my church. God, I really regret giving that money to Jesus. That was a dumb idea. Never experienced that regret. Because giving to see lives changed is amazing. It's awesome. So here's what I'm asking everybody to do. We're going to pray. And I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what should I give? What should, not today, not out of compulsion, not because Pastor Josh preached about it, because I want to be regular, sacrificial, and cheerful. I recognize Jesus, you are the ultimate giver. So what should I give? What should I give regularly? What should I give sacrificially? What should I give cheerfully? What are you leading me according to what I have, not according to what I don't have? And then obey Obey, not just for a couple weeks because we preached about it, but obey because Jesus is the most consistent giver ever. And a side note before we pray, if you still think this church is all about wanting your money, that they just want your money at Vertical Church, give it to another church. Find a gospel preaching church and give it to them. Give regularly, sacrificially, and cheerfully to them. You think that we're all about your money. Give it somewhere else. Okay. We'll be fine. God will take care of us. I just want you to experience the awesomeness of centering that part of your life around Jesus. So if you give it somewhere else, that's awesome. Do it. That's why we're not all about money here. Because we just want you to experience the blessing of orienting your life around Jesus. Let me pray for you. Lord, this is always a fun subject to talk about. (laughs) God, I pray that today, that as we are asking right now for the Holy Spirit to just speak to us, Lord, what would you have us give? How would you have us be regular? How would you have us be sacrificial? How would you have us give cheerfully? Lord, I know that the Holy Spirit is faithful to speak to us directly and specifically according to what we have, not according to what we don't have. And so today, God, as we hear you speak, may we have the courage and the boldness and and the trust even to obey, to obey. Some of us, God, will have to take a step of of obedience and creating a budget so that we can give regularly. Some of us will have to take a step in obedience and not buy everything we want so that we can give sacrificially. Some of us will have to get the idols out of our hearts so that we can give cheerfully. Whatever our step looks like, God, may we be obedient. Not because... Not because we want anything from you. We're trying to earn any kind of favor or grace or blessing because that is ours in Jesus. But because he is the most generous giver ever and we want to be like him. And Lord, there are those in the room 
that maybe they're on the complete other side of the giving spectrum. Not the side that can set aside a percentage, but the side like the Jerusalem church who now is in a position, they've given, they've resourced, now the the, the situation has turned and they are in need. And they don't need to give, they need to be given to. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't feel bad about that. That they wouldn't feel guilty, but they would understand according to what they have, not according to what they don't have. Sometimes we give and sometimes we receive. I just pray, Lord, that you would encourage those who are on the receiving end. Because I know, God, their heart's in the right place. When the situation turns around, they'll respond in obedience. We love you, Jesus. Help us to orient our entire lives around you, and yes, even our financial lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.